Welcome to Winning Is Not Everything, where we bring sanity back to youth sports by focusing on character development, effort, and sportsmanship, not rankings and trophies. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, former NFL reporter, children's book author, and youth sports coach. I know, I know, social media, and Twitter in particular, seem to be trending down with so many people upset about so many different things. But without Twitter, I would have never met my next guest, and that certainly would have been my loss. Who am I talking about? Well, stick around to find out. TeamSnap is the presenting sponsor of the Winning Is Not Everything podcast. As you start thinking about your spring sports season, the TeamSnap app can help you spend more time focusing on coaching and less time worrying about the team management side of things. Even in this preseason time, coaches can use the app to start building relationships with players and parents through the messaging features. Plus, once your spring schedule's ready, put it on the app for parents to easily sync to their calendars. Download the TeamSnap app in your mobile app store or visit teamsnap.com slash winning for more information. I grew up loving and playing lots of different sports, but my son gravitated to soccer, which provided me opportunities to coach him. What I thought was going to be a fleeting thing has been going on for more than a decade now as I enter my second year as a varsity head coach in high school. To that end, I'm always looking to glean insight from wise people around many aspects of soccer, including coaching and recruiting, and someone who shined in my eyes was Don Williams, the head of operations for the Americas for Sports Recruiting USA. I was a guest on the Outstanding Reform Sports Project podcast, and Don had heard my episode and was very kind in complimenting it. So when I invited him to be a guest on this humble podcast, I was thrilled that he graciously accepted my invitation. But before we get to his amazing insights on recruiting, you all know how I roll. We're going to learn more about Don's own youth sports experience in childhood. So let's jump into that in part one of my conversation with Don Williams. Well, I am so excited to have one of my favorite folks that I follow on Twitter as a guest today. His name is Don Williams, and he is absolutely a soccer and recruiting guru. But what I love about Coach Williams is just the sort of humanity and the kindness that he brings to his content. So, Coach, thank you so much for joining me for my podcast. Sean, I was so thrilled when you reached out to me, man. I became a fan when I heard you on Nick Bonacore's uh, Reform Sports Project podcast. And I said, oh, I like this guy. So thanks for having me on. Well, I appreciate that. And I remember actually when you posted something on Twitter just about how much you enjoyed that. I think you were like shoveling snow or something uh, and you were saying you were listening <laughs> <was>. to it. <laughs> I wasn't so was going fun. through that for the last month. We've moved about, I live in the Sierra Nevada mountains just outside of Lake Tahoe. So beautiful. Uh, we've gone through oh, seven feet this year, probably. We normally get four. So it's been fun. I've been to that area and it's absolutely a gorgeous area. And my son and I were just out there last summer, actually, because he was attended a soccer camp there with Tovo. So very familiar with that beautiful. If you come back this year, let me know. I'll come. I'll come visit. Wonderful. Well, coach, I did some research on you. And I think one of the things that I love about winning is not everything is that I like to go back with all my guests, right? I mean, we're going to get to your incredible insight in terms of soccer and recruiting. But I want to know a little bit about young Don Williams. 
you know, and kind of where you grew up. But the first question I want to ask you is what's your favorite childhood sports related memory that you have? What sticks out is I'm not setting this up for the podcast. It really happened. My best buddy that I grew up with from 10 years old on, we were on our very first soccer teams together, messaged me, texted me. So it's the feelings of the relationships and the memories I have that surround the relationships more than I think I remember saving that PK and I think I remember saving that cross, but time and age does things to a memory, but the relationships never go away. That is wonderful, coach. Wonderful. And when you were younger, which coach encouraged and inspired you most? You know, I, I think I had a lot of influential coaches, like a lot of us can probably say we had more than one influential teacher in our life. And what I remember really was, it was probably not until 14 when I got the first, what I would call jerk of a coach who really decided, you know, it's like, take another lap. And if somebody goes, that was hard. Oh, you think that's hard? Take another lap. You take another lap and somebody say, how many more of these do we have to, oh, you want to talk back to me? Take another lap. And that guy probably didn't have that guy until I was 14. So the other coaches were pretty caring and it was pretty low key. Remember, I grew up in the 70s here in the United States. There wasn't much in the way of even coaching education didn't really, it was just starting to be established in the early 70s. It wasn't really a thing. Coaches just were coaches and they were just parents and they were just out there with the kids. And so there wasn't a lot of organized training going on. It was just, we did a lot of playing. That's great. Coach, what was the most valuable lesson you learned through a challenge or defeat growing up? Don't lose because it feels horrible. And that's the way I felt personally. I mean, there are two types of people in this world. Those that like to win and hate to lose. Those that like to win don't mind winning. I mean, they like winning. They like winning. But if they lose in five minutes, they're over it. I always had a saying as a coach, don't let it ruin your life, but let it ruin the next 24 hours. I want you to ruminate how this feels. But kids that don't care how it feels, then it doesn't do anything to them. So I learned early on that whatever through my personality was, is losing sucked. It was horrible. And it stuck with me for days. And so what I learned was how not to lose at anything. And I think it still carries through my life. It carries through my business. I just like everybody to be happy and I want everybody to win. And it's losing sucks and not having things work out your way sucks. It just, and I know it affects me differently than it affects other people. But Sean, I've also taken numerous of these personality tests and they have me on the A++ type A++ level that uh, a couple guys have told me it's off the charts, only like one quarter of 1% people in the world have that kind of a, the A level. And and, it, and it's it, one of my friends called it, says it stands for A-hole. So what I learned was how to be competitive and how to figure out ways to win. And I know that's probably not the politically correct answer, but really that's what I, I learned how to be a winner and how to pull things out. No matter what goes in your way, it's never good to sit around and wait for things to change. Figure out ways to make a change, figure out ways for the outcome to be different next time. I think that's the, probably what I pulled out of sports more than any other thing that I can think of besides the relationships that I talked about. Well, coach, first of all, I really appreciate the candor with that because, you know, I mean, it's obviously very personal when you're sharing about, you know, the personality traits and things, but there's that fine line, right? Where it's good to be competitive. It's good to care, but sometimes it's on the other side of it where you sort of take it too far. 
Would it be fair to ask you of an instance when you were younger, when you did take it too far? And, and what was that lesson oh. that you learned from that? Every day, it was probably until I was 50 years old that I stopped taking it too far. And to some extent, it was later in my life. And we had a, a tragic incident I had as a coach. I had a player pass away during season on the team. She died. It deeply affected me as a coach. And this was so oh, 15 years ago, 12 years ago now, probably 12 years ago. And but it deeply affected me. And I really took to heart a saying that I always used in my recruiting pitches. And that is. Winning is an outcome of doing everything else right. Mentally, emotionally, physically. There's four basic foundations of a play or a tenets. Technical, tactical, physical, and mental. What other part of the human body is there? I mean, that's, that's it. If we do all of it right, and the mental breaks, and each one of those, by the way, breaks down, depending on the system that you're studying, breaks down into many sub-levels. But the mental emotional part is one we're talking more about in our society, and it is the driver of all things that we do physically. And so understanding that doing everything right in order and then have the outcome being winning means the mental and emotional part, too. So it's not just the X's and O's, and it's not just how many hours we spend in the weight room, and it's not just what we eat, and it's not just how many hours of sleep we get. When you talk to any pro, and you've been around a lot of pros in your life, Sean, ask all of them that you are around. It's like, well, so what's the separator? At a certain level, we can all, you know, in NFL that you covered for years, we can all hit, we can all run, we can all tackle. What's the separator? What is it? What makes it? And they'll say it's mental. They, and the pros will tell you 80%, 90%. They'll say a huge percentage of the game is mental because everybody can kick a ball at some point and everybody can run and everybody can make a save and everybody can do the soccer things. And everybody at a certain level understands 442, 4-3-3, 4-3-2. Everybody understands all the time. They get it, right? But it's the mental part that separates. Hmm. So when I say that drive, I mean, what I learned throughout my career what I didn't know as a kid was there are certain things that, that you are screwing up for yourself by your mentality. And the reason you didn't perform on these days was because of the mentality side. So it wasn't just, it's not just yelling at kids and making them run and making them do this and making them do that and creating little robots. It's about helping human beings become the best version of themselves they can possibly be and operate on the highest plane of that vibration of that buzz that you get when you're an athlete that's nothing seems like it can go wrong well i have to ask you this what's one thing you would tell your 8 12 or 16 year old self well one thing I do, i've been posting about this one a lot the one thing i don't have to tell myself is enjoy the game and just relax and play the game. And i that's a message I wish that more parents were telling their 8, 10, 12-year-olds. It's just relax, enjoy the game. If you're good enough, it'll come to you at some point. Just relax and enjoy the game. But the one thing I think I would tell myself was don't be so hard on yourself. And I know, like I said, there were a lot of performances that didn't go my way because I spiraled and I spiraled and I can I can point to series. I do remember a series of high school aged matches where things spiraled for me in, in sets of two and three and I couldn't figure out how to get back on track. And it's because I'd beaten the crud out of myself mentally and emotionally and blaming myself and care. I was a goalkeeper. So I would yeah. carry losses very, very personally. I think most goalkeepers do. We're the only position on the field that actually has wins and losses attached to their records. Yeah. No, you're so right. We, that is tough. So we take it personally. Yeah. 
No, that's true. I really appreciate you sharing that. Looking back, what's something you appreciated about your parents' influence on your athletic journey? They left me alone. They just left me alone. Look, I didn't have I didn't have the upbringing that that I see a lot of these kids having. My dad left at five six and had really not much to do with me. Literally, in his will, he wrote, "I am dead to him and my children." Like preceded him in death. So that's the kind of relationship I have with my dad. And my mom was an alcoholic through most of my youth till I got into high school. And well, it wasn't present. I think my parents probably showed up to one or two games in my life. Don't feel sorry for me. Look, the thing is, is that it created an independent person who needed to figure stuff out for himself. And I think that's something that's missing in a lot of children's childhoods. We're so on top of everything. I'm supporting, I'm supporting, I'm supporting. Yeah, what happens when you're not supported? Which is going to happen to you at some point in life, by the way, where you're out on your own and it's you depending on you to make a living. It's you depending on you to figure out this problem and you don't have support. I am concerned about a segment of our youth population right now that have never had to do that in their life and what's going to happen when that happens for the first time. Well, coach, I, I'm with you 100% on that. You know, I think the term for that right now is kind of the snowplow parent, right? Which is to clear the path for their kids and eradicate pain points and failures and disappointments. And I try to tell folks to lean into those moments, right? I mean, obviously we want to protect our kids, you know, from harm and things, but you have to be able to create challenges for them. You have to be able to create teachable moments for them. And if all they do is win at everything, at some point they're going to lose. You know, I often tell people, you mentioned the NFL, Tom Brady, I think many people would consider the greatest football player ever. And he's won the most Super Bowls ever, but he's also lost the most Super Bowls ever, right? I mean, he didn't win every single game. He didn't win the Super Bowl every single year. And yet we will remember Tom Brady as a winner, you know? And yes. so I think it's, it's so important. And, and Tom Brady, I, I know he's talked about this with his childhood that, you know, he talked about going to his dad at, at one point in high school where he didn't feel like he was been given a fair evaluation with the high school football coach. And his dad's like, basically just told him, I don't want to hear it. Just work harder. Nothing's going to change, you know, and just left it to Tom to figure it out. And then you fast forward to the University of Michigan, where Drew Henson was picked ahead of him to start. And so Tom had that experience. And guess what? In today's day and age, that quarterback leaves. They transfer somewhere else transfer where they portal. know they'll play. Yes. <laughs> and Tom Brady stayed. And he was voted a team captain as the backup quarterback, which to me says so much about how much his teammates respected him and what he added to his team. And I would say that nobody's going to argue with how Tom Brady's football career worked out, even though he didn't start as a sophomore in high school or even as a senior at the University of Michigan. Right. (laughs) Love it. Coach, tell me a little bit about your own family, just because it sounds like, you know, mom and dad and your relationship with them clearly had some challenges, but I know that you've been a parent as well. How did those negative influences and experiences as a kid impact the way you became a parent yourself? Yeah, that's a good question, because I thought about this before, and I just decided I was going to be a different parent than my parents were. I just, whatever they did, I would do the opposite. And then it turned out I was more like them than I thought in some ways. And that became a challenge later on, you know, to getting caught up in some of the same things. And yeah, in the religious world, you call it dogma, but you know, just mm-hmm. stuff that doesn't matter. 
nearly as much and getting caught up in it. But I was, I think I was pretty present for my kids. I, I always said that I regret anything about coaching is it took me away from my family too much. Was gone a lot for my daughter. My oldest son is what became a soccer player. He's coaches at North Carolina State now and trip played over in England for a couple of years and played D1 for a guy named BJ Craig, who's at UNLV now. And and anyhow, he had a nice little career, but he only did soccer. That's all he ever did. So we always had a lot in common. So we did around each other a lot. And my daughter was the youngest in dance. And my son was into music. And I didn't see my son play enough. And I didn't see my daughter dance enough. But overall, we were there for them. And we wanted to be there supporting them. And we, one of us parents, were there at every, almost every single event for either kid. And I think that was one of the things that I just determined to make happen because of my childhood. Yeah, I think we are spoiled our kids relatively to how we were raised, but we were also raised childs of the 60s and 70s. Yeah. So it was it was different. A lot of dads were just not around growing up in the 60s and 70s because they were just working. That's it. And kids sports weren't a spectator event. They were the kid going off and playing sports with their friends. It wasn't a family outing like it is today. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Winning Is Not Everything. Please make sure to like the podcast and subscribe to the podcast so you can immediately get the latest episode. Also, I've launched a new newsletter, The Youth Sports Sanctuary, which aims to provide a safe space to ask questions and engage in discussions on the important challenges and issues in youth sports. Before I close, though, my presenting sponsor, Team Snap, and I are thrilled to present our Coach of the Month. We want to shine the spotlight on coaches and youth sports who are making a positive impact on young student-athletes, and we want to recognize Dante Prevet, who leads the planning and execution of coach education initiatives for the Philadelphia Youth Sports Collaborative. Among many other roles, Dante is the creator of NFL Flag Philly, and he's in his 15th year of coaching tackle and flag football, rugby, lacrosse, and basketball. Congratulations, Dante. Last but not least, I want to thank my presenting sponsor, TeamSnap, the go-to app to help you have a successful spring sports season. Until next time, I'm Sean Jensen.